the glass. This show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Pal. I'm Casey. And I'm Miles. And this is Homebrew Bound, the best beer radio show on the internet, or so my mom says. Yes. My dad also agrees. Yeah. Joining us today is Eric. Hello. And Rick. Rick I'm is, here. Uh, this is his first time on the show. He's, first time he's on supposed Homebrew to Bound. be a, uh, a regular, but we'll see what happens. I here. will be. He's, All right. He he's says that. We'll, we'll see. Okay. I'll, I'll make it. So, Miles, what have you been brewing this week? Uh, I will be brewing after the show. I'm going to be getting our pale ale done. Finally, man. Don't even start with me. When did you get yours done? About noon. <laughs> <laughs> no, so well, I, it's, it's technically still not done yet. I haven't pitched yet. It's still it's in the fermentation chamber getting down to temp, and then I'm going to pitch. See, and then um, while I'm brewing that, I will also be bottling some of my other beers. I'm going to be bottling this afternoon as well. I totally forgot I need to do that. Otherwise, I won't have anything to enter into the competition. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. Rick, You're what about welcome. you? What have you been brewing lately? I brewed a Bavarian Hefeweizen recently. Okay. Oh, and that's right. And that's what we're uh, that's tasting what we have. On, the, yeah. on the show here in just a couple of minutes. That's the last what, thing what I a brewed. coincidence. Right? That's very exciting. Eric, what about you? Any any new brewing aspirations? Um, I haven't been brewing as much as I have been drinking. And thinking about brewing. So okay. Not, well, not I mean, so much news we're, we're gonna end. we're gonna have to get you out of the conceptual stage know, one of these I, days. But I love the conceptual stage, though. It's so much fun. <laughs> I got to get out of it, though. Did you ever get us copies of uh, your, some of your recipes yet? Uh, yeah, we did, uh, we put did, one up. I don't yeah, think we put yeah, up. Yeah, the the chocolate uh, chocolate milk stout. Yeah, I put. Yeah. Up, okay. Good deal. The other ones are still kind of need a little bit more research and. Well, they all take a lot of research. It's definitely not something to take lightly. Yeah. All right. So um, let's move on to this homebrew tasting that I'm quite excited about. So we have we have your beer going around the table right now. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it while it's still going around and everyone can get a chance to taste it? Well, it's a Bavarian Hefeweizen, which is uh, Southern Germany styled, I believe. Okay. Um, if anyone else knows, you can correct me. But it's a, it has like, it's supposed to have like a banana clove yes, the, character. The, yeah. The banana is just, you can really smell, can you smell the bananas it? in the beer. Yep. Yep. It's it's supposed to have that character from the yeast. And it's very simple besides that because a lot of the character of the beer comes from yeast. And it's, uh, it's a wheat beer. And let's see. I think it came in at like 4.3%, which was... Point two percent lower than the target, but that's fine because okay. you can drink more of it. "Quote unquote." <laughs> yep, um, and it's actually in the original Bavarian Hefeweizen style. How you would actually serve it, I found out, is you would pour most of the bottle into a glass and then swirl it a little bit, and then pour some of those yeasty beasties in there. Some of that, you know, I like that terminology, yeasty beasties. I know it's one of my favorites. It's a little rhyme, but yeah, you'd pour pour some of that in there along with it. But that also makes you fart a lot. So you know, your call. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Eric, why don't why don't we start with you this week? I want you to tell us what you think of this beer, and then uh, we'll I'll go, and then Miles can go at the end here. 
Uh, that the smell of it is awesome. It smells really, really tasty. Um, tasting it, you don't really get as much as the banana flavor that you get from the smell. You don't really pick a whole lot of that up, but I like it. it's a a good, a bit malty and yeah, it's it's good. It's refreshing. Um, there is some kind of a little slight uh, metallic taste for me. I don't know if you guys are picking that up. It mm-hmm. might be just because I just slammed that double IPA, but <laughs> I'm getting like a little bit of like a alkali, like nickel type mm. tinge. Maybe. Um, Not that right. it's bad. Yeah. It's good. It's good beer. Uh, anything else, Dad? Before we move on. Nope. All right. Uh, I'm gonna start with the appearance. Um, the only thing I didn't like about the appearance really is the head didn't stick around nearly yep. long enough. Uh, it seemed to dissipate almost immediately. It could be just the way I poured it or, um, just, but I mean, even like the little bit that was there dissipated super fast and with a wheat beer, I expect, you know, a nice thick head to yeah, stick like around for a an bit. Inch, inch and a half. Yeah. yeah. I, I noticed that with, uh. Just some of the bottles, I don't know if it was something in the conditioning that did it, but some of them have a really thick. How did head. you How did you clean the bottles? Uh, did you use soap and water? I used soap and water, and then sanitizer. that's probably what it yep. is. If you didn't get rid of all of the soap, if there's even like just a little bit of soap residue, that's going to kill sure. head. head retention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gonna just the tiniest it. bit done. Okay, well that's yep. probably what did it because some of the bottles do have a nice thick head and some of mm-hmm. them don't. Yeah, so that's that's what I'm guessing there, and that, I mean, that's an easy enough thing to fix. And it's honestly just an appearance thing, not a big deal. Sure. Um, it's a little clearer than I. I guess it could be a little hazier for my taste. Um, Maybe it's just my pour. I got the bottom of the bottle. Okay. <laughs> See, yeah, you, I guess I got yeah. the middle of it. Mine's mine's got that perfect. And taste yeah, that it, so. that could be that that could just be because I poured first out of the bottle, so I got the right. I got the top of it, which is usually the clearest of you the beer. You didn't get all the yeasty um, beasties. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other than that, appearance wise, it looks great. It's a great color. I like it. Um, the the nose, that banana and clove, just smacks me yeah, right on the top of the head. Yeah, I love it. Phenomenal smell. It it smells like a Hefeweizen should. Good. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, that banana clove, I don't really pick up in the flavor. Yeah. I'm not picking up a whole lot. It feels like there's just not quite enough yeast character there. Uh, like it fermented too clean, maybe. Could have, yeah. Um, Which is funny, because that's not supposed to be an insult. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's it's not. And I, I, I don't mean it to be an insult. It's just... Yeah. Just for a style like this, you're looking for that yeast character. Yeah. yeah. Maybe ferment a little hotter next time. Yep. Okay. Uh, which is usually not something I say. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure now I have told uh, brewers to ferment colder and ferment hotter. I can't make up my mind. Well, it depends on style. <laughs> yes. So at least yes, you got does. that going for you. Yes. Um, which is nice. Taste-wise, it's sweet and dry. I really like it. Uh, as soon as I finish a, a sip, I want to take another one because it dries out my mouth. Yep. Um. Yeah, I I really like the beer overall. Um, yeah, Miles. Um, it looks, or it excuse me, it smells awesome. Like he said, it's absolutely the way it really should smell. Uh, you get the banana coming forth, and the clove kind of comes through more smooth, not quite a, a spicy mm-hmm. as as others do. Uh, no head, but we just discussed that. Uh, the flavor for me, I, I like the way it tastes, but it's actually it sits pungently on my tongue right away, 
which is not something I expect. I usually expect it to be really soft on the palate. Sure. Um, but it mellows out to that. So it does get to that point. Um, and then I think it just it lingers for me a little longer than I'm used to. Yeah. Not not good or bad, just it does. Uh, otherwise, it seems like a relatively successful beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would say it's a successful beer. That's for sure. Uh, there's, there's nothing about it that makes me want to stop drinking it by any means. Yeah. And this is what, your second, third beer? It's my second drinkable beer. Okay. (laughs) There's a story behind that. (laughs) I I brewed two one-gallon batches from the same boil um, that were... I I put some grapefruit rind in the other. Oh, just uh, pseudo-fermentation. Variants? Yeah. Okay. And uh, both of them... One of them got infected and was covered in goo. And nasty shit, and that was a grapefruit one because okay. I didn't clean the wine, rind enough. Mm. Ah. And the other one just smelled like old latex farts. <laughs> I, that's all I can describe it as. And so I was like, oh, "Well, that's not, not worth trying." Yeah. It was just a standard wheat. Um, so I didn't even try that one. But this one is my second successful brew. Yeah, and it it tastes. Uh, I like it, but there are things that I picked up in it that I wanted to what, change. Uh, what What would you like to change about this beer? Well, I, I I would like to fix the banana clove and the taste. Okay. Because that was something I was really looking forward to brewing it, was mm-hmm. having a kind of fun beer like I, that. I with do get flavor. some of the banana. I think it's uh, masked by, like I said, that harsh foretaste. Yep. Well, not necessarily harsh, it just... It's really strong. Maybe a, a higher carbonation level would help lift that off the tongue a little bit, um, and just make it make it feel lighter at least. Yeah, I don't know if enough of the yeast survived to carbonate it enough because I I, I put the right amount of of uh, priming sugar in and well, I actually, I mean, it, it could be just a, a, a preference for this particular one. Uh, was this a homemade recipe or is this a kit? It was a. A uh, hybrid, a hybrid, which probably means you used uh, uh, like five ounces of sugar. Yep. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with using more. It might just be the fact that they okay. do five ounces for all of them, and that yeah. a little more might have been preferable. <clears throat> okay. Because there's otherwise really nothing wrong with the carbonation, except to say there might not be a m- enough. Yeah. yeah. I did. I can. I tried one after two weeks of conditioning for the carbonation, and it. I, it didn't have enough carbonation, and then I actually went an extra three days on it. Okay. And then cooled them all. And it did get better, but I probably could have kept it out a little longer and probably used a little more sugar in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, all right, Miles, uh, how would you fix, like, the the few the couple of problems here, what would you say would be the way to fix them? Uh, maybe ferment just a little bit warmer. Might help to soften yeah. out the flavor profile and make some more of those uh, phenolic uh, things come forward, um, and up the the conditioning sugar just yeah. a little bit. And don't use soap in your bottles. That would be sure, the last sure. thing. Yep. <laughs> and then I think then I think you're golden. Yeah, good it's otherwise you. a really solid beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's tasty. It's very good. You did a good job. I say I did, I I did like how again. dry it is. Yeah. Take mm-hmm. their take their ideas and, and brew it again. It could be a really really phenomenal beer. So definitely, well, I will brew it again. I like it. Good, but good. I, you I like the, you like wheat beers too. Nice. I do like wheat beers. I like other beers, but wheat beers are my favorite. Yeah. All right. 
So, moving on to the discussion topic for this week, we're uh, kind of doing a fermentation 101, and we're gonna do a a different take on our ferment or our discussion segment. Uh, Miles has an idea. I'll let him explain it. He can do it better than all I can. All right. So, I a couple of weeks ago I did the quiz, but the quiz questions were kind of all over the place, and um, this time I have another quiz. It's going to be topical and it's going to help uh, move the discussion along. So let shall we get started? Uh, yeah, I guess before we go on, are these two? Can these two play in the quiz as well? If the if I can't get the answer, can they? Yeah, all absolutely. Right. And these are these are all pretty straightforward. I didn't make them nearly as uh, esoteric as the yes, last one. Yes, absolutely. Or just stupid. Okay. <laughs> well, I suppose uh, this week we're talking about fermentation one hundred and one. Did you say that already? Yes, I did. I, okay, let's. All right. Question Glad you're one. paying attention. There are three phases during the fermentation process. What are they, and in what order do they occur? Okay, so there's um, attenuation and conditioning are the last two. Yes. What is the first one called? I can't remember what the first. I, one's I will called. take either name for it. Each one has two names. I'd like to chime in. It's yeasty beasties doing the hibbity dibbity. Technically, yeah. <laughs> that is technically right. <laughs> You're not wrong. What's the technical word, Miles? Uh, adaptive. Adaptive. It's, oh, the, okay. it's the adaptive phase, or I would have accepted the lag time phase. Oh, okay. Uh, it's when they're not uh, fermenting necessarily. They're building up their own population. Yep. And it's, if you do a starter, you can bring that lag time basically down, down to zero. Basically, yeah. Uh, so the other the other terms for the other two would be primary conditioning mm-hmm. and secondary conditioning. Okay. Yeah, I don't uh, fermentation wise. I personally have never done a secondary unless I'm lagering, and then my locker stage is my secondary. Well, secondary takes place. You know whether or not you have yeah. a secondary fermenter. Yes. Uh, it's just the time that takes place after primary is done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even a little when, bit of when you say when you say secondary, a lot of people are immediately going to think, okay, that's when you move it over to the secondary fermenter. Yeah, which and which, I I have my own reasons as to why I don't, but we can go into that later. Yeah, there are reasons for uh, for both, and some of them legitimate, some of them not. The short version is, if you are going to let it uh, condition in your primary fermentation vessel. Just don't let it stay in there for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Yes. So just once it's done, you want to take it out. Yes. All right, next question. There are three principal factors that determine fermentation activity and its results. What are they? Temperature. Temperature is one. Um, your... Wait, just three? They're, uh, well, well, I mean, they're, they're three. They're very... They're very fairly right. broad. Your the well the amount of yeast. Yep. Your pitching rate. Yep. Uh, and temperature, pitching rate, and your gravity is going to affect it. Well, yes, but uh, but that's, well, yeah. that's not okay. Uh, very very broad. Very yeah. broad. I don't know. What's the third um, broad one, Miles? You, you might even assume this as part of the population part, but we yeast, yeast nutrients. That and seems just yeast nu- yeah. Okay, uh, that nutrition. seems okay. That seems like part of the population. So that, that would be like the sugar and. Well, stuff. I mean, but you can have the population without the proper nutrients being yes. involved. Yes. So, I mean, the idea is that you definitely want to make sure one, you have enough yeast, and two, that they're all going to have the tools they need to do the job. Makes sense. 
So, and that kind of quickly brings us into the third. If you guys have any questions yeah. or comments as we're going on, feel free to chime in. Yeah. We doing good? <clears throat> we doing good? Aye. All right. Uh, and this kind of quickly brings us into the third question. Um, although always suggested, the use of yeast nutrients can be considered absolutely vital with what situation? And uh, that that's kind of, you know, out there, but consider the recipe design uh, for the answer. Wait. Oh, so when are yeast nutrients absolutely, absolutely vital? vital? Oh, man. Um Wow, when are, when are they absolutely? I I use them all in pretty much. I know. Everything, I mean, it's so. it's suggested that you pretty much always use them. Yeah, but there, is the question asking for like a step in the beer making process? No, no or I I guess are you looking for like a, a style? Think yeah, recipe making a makeup. certain kind of. Okay, I would say anything where you're going to have low fermentable sugars, you're going to want uh, a lot of a lot of yeast nutrient. Any any. Uh, any environment that's not going to be inherently super healthy for the yeast, you're going to want to use a lot of yeast nutrients. I'll give you half a point. Uh, more or less what I was looking for, because you're not wrong, is uh, when you have a recipe that uses a very high percentage of adjuncts. And so when you have a whole bunch of adjuncts, you're lacking in some of the things that barley itself ne- offers yeah. a recipe that is needed by the yeast. Makes sense. So if you're making, you know, for example, a wheat beer that uses a lot of, you know, flaked wheat and, you know, other... That uses rye. over 50% yeah. wheat or rye, you're going to want uh, to add nutrients to give those yeast a, yeah. a head start. Well, I mean, just to guarantee that they have at least the bare minimum yes. because you can count on that not being the case. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right. Temperature is important during fermentation. What is the risk of running fermentation too hot or too cold? Ooh, I know this one. Aha, <laughs> I figured you might. Okay, so if you ferment too hot, you're going to get uh, esters and off flavors from the yeast. They're going to create, like, fusel alcohols are a yes. big one. They're huge. Um, just a lot of just unwanted flavors. And the other the other main one uh, is what hurt your lager. Oh, diacetyl. Diacetyl, yep. Because uh, what happens is, during warm fermentation and fermentation in general, diacetyl is produced. Yes. There's not a whole lot of diacetyl in my lager. The big thing that hurt that was DMS, dimethyl you're, sulfide. You're right. You're right. Two uh, totally different things. You're right. My apologies. Um, but either way, later on in the fermentation process, diacetyl gets reused and taken out mm-hmm. of the system. But if it's too warm, um, that... The yeast isn't promoted to do that. Yes. And then too cold is you could uh, make your yeast dormant, and they're just not going to do their job, depending on how cold you're going. Yep. Uh, You're going to have a slower fermentation, and And they could just decide to sleep instead of working. And then basically just stop your fermentation and have an incomplete beer. Mm -hmm. It just stops. Uh, Yeast fermentation in beer is an anaerobic or without oxygen process. So why do we aerate the beer before pitching the yeast? Because yeast needs oxygen to do its thing. Yep, this is part of the like uh, plant. Well, like plants with carbon dioxide. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is part of the adaptive phase. This helps them uh, grow and uh, reproduce mm-hmm. properly to get up to their numbers. So that, that was that was a trick question. Why was that a trick question? Well, uh, I mean, it seems. 
oxymoronic. Oh, okay. I think because he used the word anaerobic in there, he wanted to fool right? you. With oh, okay, so, with big well, science words. Not just Those that, big science words. But it's also important to know that uh, uh, this is the only time when putting oxygen in the beer is a good thing. Yes. All other times are bad. Mm-hmm. All. All right. And then uh, last question for you. For new brewers, the idea of secondary conditioning may be new or unavailable. Why is allowing a beer to sit on primary for, and this is a a rough estimate, more than three weeks not suggested? I disagree with this statement on the on the fact that you put a time limit on it. You uh, can roughly well. So you, the the thing that the question is worried about is the autolysis of like the dead yeast at the bottom. Yes, like it'll break yep. down and stuff. Big brewers have to worry about that because they have such a large volume that it's going to compress that yeast. Home brewers, since they're working with such small volumes, they don't have to worry about it nearly as much. I've had beers that have sat on primary yeast for, you know, two, three months without a problem. Okay. And you're not going to have an issue just because that weight's not going to be there, and it it's going to take a longer time for that yeast to start to break down. Fair enough. Interesting. No, I mean, that's absolutely yeah. it, too. Yeah. So otherwise... It, it doesn't um, add, like, any more flavor or anything? Like, no. Uh, for, on the home brewing level, uh, Casey's saying that's not the case unless you're talking about extreme long it, Yeah, times. like, if, if you're going to leave you know, your beer on that yeast for a year, then you're going to have a problem. Right. But as long as you're going to take it off, you know, in a couple of months or something, I wouldn't worry about it. It's, it's a non-issue. Now, if you're going to do, like, excessive dry hopping or adding fruit, or something like that, then you're going to want to move into a secondary vessel. Right, right. But unless you're doing that, I feel like it just opens you up to potential contamination and potential oxidization. Um, and the off flavors that can come from this uh, on the homebrewing level, extreme case, uh, rubbery, fatty, and meaty flavors in the beer. Yeah, you so. don't want your beer to taste like beef. Nope. <laughs> you were pretty much at like five and a half out of six on this one. I I know my fermentation. Fermentation yep. is one of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> it's delightful. And it makes so many awesome things. It makes beer. It makes sauerkraut. Bread. Bread. Did I Other mentioned beers. sauerkraut and beer. <laughs> 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 so we have a little bit of time here. Um, why don't we open it up to you guys? Do you guys have any questions on fermentation specifically? Um, yeah, well, mine, it, like, back with the first question, when you talked about the, uh... The three stages? Yeah, the first stage. What's that called? Adaptive, or the yeah. lag time. So when you, when you start your yeast, what, what does that, in general, cut out in time fermenting? Well, the... Do you want to take this? Uh, I don't care. Okay, okay I got this one, then. Uh, so during the adaptive phase or the lag time, if you're not starting your yeast, uh, just putting it in the beer, the yeast needs time to in the, uh, effectively adapt to the environment you're putting it in. Yep. Because it didn't grow up to, you know, as far as they're concerned, they didn't grow up to be thrown into a beer to, and start fermenting. And so they just woke up, then this is the tools they have to work with, and then they start figuring themselves out growing in population, and then they actually turn their attention to fermenting your beer. Sure. Um, starting the yeast is basically doing this step outside of the beer before you actually make it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so are, is that like, are you looking at 
hours or days before You're, it starts fermenting. It, it, it depends on the it depends on the beer and the like the health of the yeast that you're starting with there there's there's a few factors in there um usually it can if if you just put in like say a smack pack of yeast um i mean that's gonna have like a mini starter in it so it's gonna have like three hours there but you can see fermentation start within a matter of hours um or it could take days it could take you know up to two days for it to actually start uh with a starter you're usually always looking at a matter of hours yeah um but though i mean if you're doing a lager even with a starter, you're looking at a matter of days to actually see an aggressive fermentation just because of the temperatures. Sure. Yeah. Tem- uh, the cold temperature for a lager literally just slows them down. They do everything slower. Yep. And that's it. Okay. So it and could save you a, yep. a couple of days in, in lager. In fermentation, yeah. Yep. You can go from a couple of days to a couple of hours. Sure. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I mean, usually it's it's not a big enough time delay where people are like, oh, I don't really like doing the lag time. The only reason I do starters is uh, it ensures healthy, it ensures yeast healthy before yeast you actually put before it in I actually beer. pitch it. Yeah, I, that, that's what I was thinking. Okay, yeah, healthier. Uh-huh. Eric, did you have a question? W- would it be possible for home brewers to do like a wild yeast capturing method, like they do with like lambics? Or yeah, is it? Like- yeah, it's it's super simple. Um, in fact, what you could do. In in theory, is get a like a plastic uh, shallow Rubbermaid bin that can hold five gallons of liquid, and I would line it with like some sort of like food grade plastic, mm-hmm. and and put like maybe a screen over it to like just, just take it, pop a screen off of one of your windows, and keep pop that over it out. just to keep the nasties out of it, and leave it on a on a porch overnight. And I don't see why that wouldn't inoculate your your wort. No, in fact, that's actually common practice. Yeah. It's basically called open cask fermentation or... Well, this co- this uh, cool this would be a or, cool ship. Yeah, yeah. it's not quite the, open well, cask. The the concepts are the same. Yeah. Uh, basically, it just allows your beer to sit outside and gather what's in the environment. I think that would be really interesting to do, especially if you were making a lot of your beer with like locally sourced stuff. Like, Why not just get wild yeast the, well the problem there. is depending on where you live you uh, might not have yeah. you you might you might not you'll you'll always have yeast but my other thing would to worry about would be like air quality and uh-huh. stuff like that uh-huh. like say you're you know you're in LA yeah, or really any big city <laughs> you don't want all that smog right, just right. settling on your beer it it's not just so don't that do it in but Phoenix. Uh, yes but in in nature yeah, i mean there will be hundreds of Varieties of yeast right. that actually make it into your beer, and so you, uh, it's less even, controllable. That's for it, sure. It's less controllable, but uh, if you you'll have different proportions of the dominant ones, and they can actually fight each other and end up giving you an undesirable and, like you said, a very uncontrollable result. Whereas if you buy them in a you know from a lab or a homebrew shop, you'll be getting you know like one hundred percent population A, right? Population B, and then you can control it and. There will there will be no yeast racism in your beer. Yes, yeastism. You'll you'll have, you'll have a yeast master race. There are yeast <laughs> beasties for more than one a, reason. A yeaster race. All right, we got time for one more question. If you guys got one, well, I didn't know there was yeast floating in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I was not aware of this. Yeah, there's yeast everywhere. There's just yeast chilling. everywhere. Just yep. chilling. And you can just set your ward out and get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Huh. That, that's basically how they did it before they knew what yeast yep. was. I was wondering how they did that. That's yeah. How, I mean, that's how like lambics are still made. Uh, a lot of yeast, like, that's amazing. Uh-huh. A lot of historical beers basically happened. They knew that if you put like water and bread, 
that you would get something, and then if you left it outside, magic happened. <laughs> or in the case of Vikings, every family had their own special stick that if you didn't stir the beer with, nothing happened. And they were just, you know, flooded with these yeast cultures, and everyone had their own. Wow. Yeah. No, it's super, super cool. So nature wants us to make beer. Yeah. Yes. yes. Nature has been fighting with us to make beer for the longest time. <laughs> That's right. great. Well, I think that uh, wraps up Fermentation 101. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about Mashing 101. So we'll finally be getting into some all-grain stuff. And all of the stuff that we talked about, we're, we will dive in deeper uh, in future episodes. So don't worry. I know we're just going over cursory stuff right now. But the show we, just started. The show just started, and we will be getting into deeper topics. We just want to make sure all homebrewers are on the same level once we get there. Yay. All right. So we got some new outro music this week. There we go, right? It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. cool. Hooray. So have you guys been sitting around figuring out, man, I really like those Blinded Studios guys, and I just want to support them. How can I do that? Well, I'm here to tell you that you can, (laughs) there are now two ways you can support us. Actually, three if you listen to Carlos. I'll tell you the third at the end. So, uh, the first way is you can go to patreon.com slash studios or go to our homepage, blindnewsstudios.com, and there's a link at the bottom of the homepage that says uh, become a patron today. And you can uh, set up a monthly recurring donation there, and you'll get a free, you know, a few extras or whatever, depending on how much you donate. And you can donate as little as a dollar, and every little bit helps. The other way is when you're about to go do your Amazon shopping, head on over to blindedstudios.com first and click on the Amazon link at the bottom of our homepage. And then we just get a small little cut of whatever you guys buy. So instead of just giving all of your money to Amazon, give us a little. You're not going to miss it. And Amazon isn't either. So just help us out just a little bit. The third way, and this is Carlos's favorite, guys, you can find us in the street and just throw money at us. Just bricks of money. <laughs> That is the third way you guys can support us. Could do it. (laughs) You could. But personally, I recommend the other two: Patreon and Amazon.com. It's easier. It's easier, and you're going to do the Amazon stuff anyway, so you might as well help us out. And you can put it. You can go through our page, and then just set that as your bookmark, so you always go through there. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Rick's always thinking. I think. All right, if you have any feedback on this episode or any of our other shows, go ahead and send us an email at feedback at blindnewsstudios.com, or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnewsstudios, or you can follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>